It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast. With Tony Maradero. No, 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 no. It's with me, Matt O'Han. The Sickest Montreal Canadiens Podcast. Now, a 24th Stanley Cup banner will hang from the rafters of the famous forum in Montreal. The Canadiens win the Stanley Cup. Brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. 8.6 beer. Intense by nature. And Lacage. If the last time you went to Lacage was when the Habs won the cup, it's time you went back to Lacage. It's going to be sick. Italian through hammer in. It is Friday night in Montreal right now. It is 10.01. I'm Matt O'Han bringing you the sick podcast brought to you by Energy Transportation Group from Warehousing, Customs Brokerage, and Transportation Consulting. Energy Transportation Group has you covered. We're also brought to you by 8.6 Beer Intense by Nature. The beer for those who follow their instinct and live their passions in order to make their mark. And the Montreal Canadiens made their mark this week. In a bit of an interesting way, it started off very, very rough, not only for them, but for myself as well. I'll tell you about that a little bit later in the show when we talk when we talk World Cup. But now we are pleased to bring in, from Dans les Coulisses, Charles-Alexis Brisebois. Charles, how are you doing? I am going great. How are you? I'm doing just fine. I'm doing better than I was at the beginning of the week. And no, it's not because of the Canadian 7-2 loss. Uh, I'll, I'll just give you a little bit of a preview right before the game because I was I was at the game on Tuesday, which was very unfortunate for me, even more unfortunate because I was sitting with a Buffalo Sabres fan, um, was that I had broken a tooth right before the game. So uh, we're back. We're at full strength, 28 teeth in the mouth instead of 27. We're good to go. So uh, the Canadians go 2-1 and one this week. Starts off with a rough 7-2 loss. Uh, kind of, I don't know about you, Shaw. Let's start there. Uh, I wasn't expecting a shell- like a shellacking like that, but I wasn't expecting the greatest game for a couple reasons. One, because they were coming off that big uh, emotional comeback win against the Philadelphia Flyers. And two, they just don't match up with Buffalo well. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes and uh, against Buffalo, it's not always easy. And, and it's a good point against Philadelphia because, you know, they had uh, such a great season. And what I want to remember about it is um, 
you know, at the beginning of the season, Martin Saint-Louis said, you know, we had a, a, a we have a lot of young players. It's great. And uh, the, the beginning of the season is extraordinary. And like every player are going to, to their first time in the NHL. I want to see them on a Tuesday of December or something like that when mm -hmm. the season is more normal. And the game in Buffalo was a normal game. It was a Tuesday. It was November. There was nothing exciting about it. The guys are used to playing the NHL. So it was good to see that, okay, maybe they can they can have like a, a reality check and the way they bounce back after that, I think is uh, this is the most important thing for me from, uh, from that week. Yeah, I agree with you because that was a very, very uh, impressive win against Columbus. You know, and again, just a Wednesday night in Columbus, the way you put it about the Tuesday night game. Tuesday night at home against the Sabres. You know, the Sabres were riding in. I think it was on an eight-game losing streak. They were angry. They wanted to win. And then the, the, the Habs get absolutely smacked. And then just the next night, short memory, kind of the best-case scenario. You know, you're on the road, right? You have no time to think about it. You just got to go out there and play hockey. And that's what they did. So uh, today, they played earlier today, 3-2 shootout win in Chicago. Um, bit of an interesting game. Uh, I, I like the Habs through 40 minutes of play. Really like the Habs through 40 minutes of play. And then uh, something happened. It must have been in the second intermission with the Blackhawks because they just decided to wake up and they absolutely took over the game. Yeah, exactly. There's something about playing 60 minutes in the NHL. I think it comes back every year sometimes. And um, the it, it was a tough week, you know. I, I, I don't want to have excuses for the Habs, but, you know, they traveled to Columbus and then they traveled to Chicago and maybe they have... Uh, they had their mind to the, the the rookie meal that's taking place like right now. I don't know what's about that, but they, they had to play that 60 minutes and it caused them um, a, a regulation win. You know, they had to go through uh, through overtime, which was really exciting in the end. But uh, they, they should have been able to finish that game in 60 minutes for sure. Um, the way the way they, the guys were playing during the first 40 minutes, the way Samuel Montembeau was playing too, they deserved to... Um, to, to, to win in regular, but, you know, third period happens and uh, a hockey game is 60 minutes. It's a classic for a reason. Exactly. And, uh, you know, just for those who may, uh, just to refresh your memories, for those watching and listening, if you don't remember, Joel Edmondson pinched in in the first period very early on, took a nice pass from Sean Monaghan. He scores into the first period. In the second period, Caleb Jones uh, takes advantage of a terrible Brandon Gallagher uh, giveaway. And, uh, you know, tic-tac-toe, one way, uh, there it goes. And it's 1-1 off the stick of Caleb Jones in the second. But... Canadians come back on the power play and who else but the captain Nick Suzuki from his spot. Uh, we'll talk about his spot in a second, uh, just about a minute and a half later. Taylor Radish on the power play in the third period, near the end of the period. And then the Habs go three for three in the shootout. Kirby Doc with that incredible celebration on the game clinching goal. So I want to talk about Nick Suzuki um, because, again, just a, another great performance 200 for performance from the captain, and this is becoming the norm. He scored his 12th goal of the season. Now, the part that I want to talk about is, you know, we're calling that his spot. Us in the media and, and everyone watching the Canadians, Canadians fans are calling that circle his spot. But how come we don't see him take advantage of that spot as often as he should? Yeah, maybe he should a little bit more. And I think he... He's gonna have to do it because every player has his spot, and we know when it, when we think of a spot, we think uh, of Cole Caulfield because he's a goal scorer and because 
he always uh, finds a way to be alone in that spot. And Nick Suzuki has to work on that, you know, because every time he shoots from there, it he has a great shot, Nick Suzuki. And we tend to forget about it because there's like, the, uh, I will call it the Cole Caulfield effect. The fact that he plays with a pure goal scorer. Um, we think more of this uh, of Nick Suzuki as a passer, but he has 12, he, he has 12 goals. He, he is really impressive, impressive. And I think he, he needs to, to, to work on that one because every time he can shoot like that, he gives a chance from the Montreal Canadiens. And I think that's really, really important for, uh, for that team. Well, especially because the power play has been, you know, it, it started off obviously terrible at the beginning of the season. I think they were 0 for 15, 0 for 14, whatever it may have been. And then, you know, it kind of got going and now it's in this streaky phase where some games it works, some games it doesn't. And more often than not, in the games that it doesn't, I find they're overcompensating with the Cole Caulfield effect that you mentioned. And, you know, I think this game is a good reminder. Uh, that power play goal is a good reminder that, you know, you don't always have to look for one trigger man on the power play because you got multiple in Cole Caulfield and you can have one in Nick Suzuki as well. So uh, I would just really like to see him shoot from there uh, more often. You know, one of the guys who got an assist on that goal, uh, he's had an interesting week, Mike Matheson, because uh, I bring his name up because I, I don't know about you, but to me, since he's been in the lineup, the most noticeable defenseman in the best way possible. And, and I just find he he's quickly cementing himself as the Canadians' best defenseman. And it's, I think, what, he's played only three or four games? Yeah, uh, yeah, he's really impressive. He skates so fast. And we knew he was a good skater, but it shows on the ice, really. And when you look at, uh, at times like in the power play, I think that puck is moving so well. And sometimes they don't score. And, and it's okay. You can't be 100% in the power play. But when Mike Madison is on the ice, and it was noticeable um, Saturday last Saturday in the, the last seconds of the game, obviously, when, when Cole Caulfield scored with 1.9 seconds to go, the, the puck was always going through Mike Madison. And he, he can distribute it so well i think it's one of the big effect of having him back because yeah it's great to have like all forwards on the power play but when you have a quarterback like him and he's not one of the best quarterback of the league obviously but with the the job he's asked to do i think he's he's doing a pretty decent job and maybe he's not a hundred percent now because he has to to acclimate to a new team and he's coming back from an injury so i can't wait to see him in a few weeks to see what's the ceiling with the montreal canadians yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting because I think, um, you know, like you said, I, I don't think he's the uh, the quarterback that everyone thought and thinks the Canadians need. But, you know, with players like Nick Suzuki and uh, Cole Caulfield on the power play, not to mention Kirby Doc, who's uh, kind of getting lost in this conversation, um, he he just does what he needs to do. I mean, he just distributes the puck well. He has good vision. And man, can he hold a line? You know, I, I just, there's very few plays that don't end up on a stat sheet that I get excited about than when a defenseman holds the line on a clear out attempt. Yeah, yeah, you're right about that. And Mike Madison can can do that. Um, really, you understand why Ken Hughes wanted to have like a veteran defenseman uh, for, for Jeff Petrie because Yes, the 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 kids could uh, could hold the line at the beginning at the beginning of the season when the, when Madison was not there. But 
in the last few um, few games, they, they were kind of out of breath and, and they needed to have that veteran presence back on the lineup, uh, not counting Joel and Munson also, but to have those two guys back that were not there on the first game of the season, it's really, really important because Caden Gooley is doing a great job, but he cannot be a first defenseman right now in the NHL for mm -hmm. 82 games. He need to to learn from that second line sometimes. So no, really, to um, to have Mike Madison back is really, really important for, for Martin Saint-Louis, and, and I'm sure he's really happy about it. Sick podcast brought to you by Playground. Playground has over 600 machines, poker tournaments, and Playground casino games, daily promotions, and unmatched customer service. Why go anywhere else? Located over the Mercier Bridge, minutes away from downtown Montreal. Uh, another player, I mentioned him, and uh, you know, I think uh, you mentioned Martin Saint-Louis. He's, he's loving this guy as well, and the love affair for Kirby Doc just... It keeps growing and growing and growing. We have an article out on the Sick Podcast website uh, making the case for Kirby Doc to stay on the wing. And this is the... Uh, the blessing and a curse kind of of having such a, a big surprise on the team is that we've been having this conversation for weeks now, and I think it's going to continue. And I'm curious to get your thoughts on it of, you know, where do you see this guy down the road? Are we are we keeping him on the wing? You know, if you're Martin St. Louis, what do you say to yourself? Do we keep this guy on the wing or, you know, it's working right now there. So at what point, if you want him to be that center, do you kind of uh, you kind of start pushing him that way because we saw it at the beginning of the season wasn't working out and then they have the line shuffle and now he finds himself on the wing but we know what he was acquired for yeah and, and it's really a great question matt because if if i had that answer if you had that answer i think you would talk to martin saint louis to give him because he, i think he wants to know um you know right now if it ain't broken don't fix it right so for mm -hmm. now he's the winger of the, the 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 that first line that kid line and you don't want to break it but at a certain point you heard jeff gordon saying uh on the sick podcast yeah uh, i i want to know maybe uh, on the future he's going to be a centerman i think for now you want to hold that to to that line that works so well and you want him to just acclimate to the fact of playing uh, with with such big responsibilities without having to be the centerman. So you, you, we know that the draws, it's not like a, a strength for Kirby Doc. For now on the wing, he can concentrate on, uh, on being that guy who can feed Caulfield and Suzuki. And I think an aspect that we need to, to take into account, when you have a strong duo of Caulfield and Suzuki, it's hard sometimes to to find someone to complete them. And Martin mm -hmm. Saint-Louis was a part when he was playing for, for the Lightning. He was a part of a strong duo. And Alex Burroughs was completing the set-in. So there's two guys who knows exactly what it is to, to have a duo and to complete it, uh, complete them with a third person. For now, Kirby Doc is, um, is working great. And I think for now, you need to hold on to that. Maybe next year, you're going to the training camp and say, maybe we want to try that, see if he can be that second lineman but for now I, I think i want to see him to be um, a, a winger and even if you acquired him to be a, a center a centerman you know you need to adapt in the nhl and for now that 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 structure is working so uh for now i want to see him staying uh, at wing for with the two kids 
Yeah, uh, I'm right there with you because he just looks like every game he's getting more and more confident with the puck on the stick, which, you know, you would think would naturally happen. But if you think about it in a different way, you know, he's on a line with the Canadians, two stars of the future. That's all he hears in the media. And only just now he's recently starting to get some love. So that's a tough spot to put a 21-year-old kid who, you know, came in and was kind of a reclamation project, we'll call it. You know, it, it didn't really work out in Chicago. They gave up on him. And he needs to get his confidence up. And you would think one, what way, what better way to get his confidence up to, than to put him with the two stars of the team? But then again, if he's not producing, you know, that it goes completely the other way of, you know, he could get in his own head. You know, I'm with the two best players on the team and I can't put up any points. This is kind of tough. So I, I think it was a great gamble. It worked out. And uh, I mean, I just want to see more of Kirby Doc. I love the way he moves on the ice. Yeah, absolutely. He's, a, he's really great like that. And, and it's a good point because Martin Saint-Louis tried a lot of players at the beginning of the season with Caulfield and Suzuki. And it didn't work for many of them or didn't work uh, as high as the expectations because the kids were producing a lot and Caulfield was scoring and Suzuki made great, great passes. And sometimes like the the, the third lineman looked like a passenger. But right now, Kirby Doc, he, he's not a passenger. He's driving with the two. And as long as it's working, as I said, you need to ride that wave. So, uh, Agnello and Sammy, let's bring up the rest of the lines from the game because we've only talked about the kid line. Um, so, if we could get that, thank you very much. The second line, you know, I've ha I had my issues with it, and we'll talk about it in a second. Before we get to the negatives, I want to talk about another duo that was out there, and that's the one you see on that third line of Sean Monahan and Josh Anderson because uh, I personally thought uh, Josh Anderson had a very, very tough game against Buffalo. I think he had an, an okay game, uh, you know, a better comeback against uh, his former team in Columbus. But uh, I really liked him today. I, I really, really liked him. And I thought it was a shame that he couldn't, uh, he couldn't finish on his chance. I forget which period it came in, but he had a really good chance in tight. Um, I, 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 I started off really liking Josh Anderson. And then I saw the shortcomings of, you know, he kind of only shows up once in four games. How do you see this playing out in the future? Because there's a lot of talk. Tony's been talking about it all week on his podcast, on this podcast. Um, I want to talk about it on mine, and I've, I've brought it up a couple times uh, in the past couple of weeks. Josh Anderson, uh, you see him sticking around, or do you see him uh, moving on from the team this year or in the offseason? Via trade, it's, it's of course. a hard question. Yeah, it's a, it's a hard question to answer about Josh Anderson because, you know, there was so much attention about him uh, last summer and uh, we were wondering, is he going to be moved at the at the draft or what what's going to happen because the price is through the roof and they decided to stick with him. Some some people made the comparison with um, Chris Kreider from uh, Gordon's time in New York. I don't know if he can become a Chris Kreider. And I think if his value is quite high, you should capitalize on that because it's a player who's he's going to be like, what, 30, 
31, 32, 33, when the Canadians are gonna, when the mm. the, the window is gonna be open, is he gonna be as fast? Is he gonna is he gonna be as involved in the game? That's questions uh, I'm wondering about because right now the Canadians are not looking for the Stanley Cup. Maybe he can help another team who's gonna be willing to pay the price. So I think if the price is good, I'd be willing to to move on from Josh Anderson. That being said, even he, if he's not like he's tricky you talked about it he plays one game out of two three four whatever the name you, you want to put on it even if he's a little bit streaky i think he brings a lot of value to that team and in if the, the Habs are not like winning the cup in the next few years they, they still can make the playoffs and in the playoffs he had a great great impact if you talk about um the 2019 playoffs when the when he was with the blue jackets talk to steve eisenman about how he hated to um to be against josh anderson so there there's value to keep him but i think if the price is fair and we know how kent hughes wants to maximize the um, the value of his players so if the price is fair i think you can move on from a guy like josh anderson and free a lot of money to give to the the young guys who, who are going to be commanding uh, some money in the future yeah, I, I definitely agree. And I think uh, I think you're right. I don't think and there's no reason to think that Kent Hughes would sell any of his players short at this point because we've just been seeing him, you know, working absolute magic at, uh, well, given last deadline, the offseason at the draft. It's just been incredible to watch him, uh, him and Jeff Gorton just operate as a duo. It's been really great. Um, last positive before uh or last two positives i'm gonna say because we're talking trade ships so i'm gonna throw his name out there i mean i i just love sean monahan he's the second part of that duo uh, and you know it, before but before that buffalo game it's funny because he was probably the only one who had uh the a good game in that one and mm -hmm. you know before that game i don't know how many how many games it was been, it had been since he had really made a mark you know he may have gotten a point here or there but just kind of invisible on the ice and you think oh it was just a hot start and uh you know they're not going to get too too much for him at the deadline but now this guy i mean you got to think the sky's the limit with his value at this point because uh, a bit of a cold period then he comes out out of the gates you know he scores that great uh, great individual effort goal against buffalo two more assists in this games next thing you know he's up to 14 points on the season yeah, he's really a, a great player, and we're uh, we're starting to see the, the the player that he was in Calgary when he was uh, when he was not injured. And I think it's um, it's excellent for the Canadians because if you want to move him for a first pick, if you have that price, you can have that option. And if you want to stick around and he's willing to accept a, a good price, you can keep him and uh, and make it a part of the future because when he is healthy, it's really great to to see him. And the fact that I love about him is like at the beginning of the season, he was playing with Kirby Doc and he was playing on the wing but he was taking the draws because Dak is, is not good on that part of the play. And then they moved Dak to somewhere else and they put him with Josh Anderson and he's producing with Josh Anderson. And he, he can produce with almost anybody on that team. You can put him on the wing, you can put him at the center. It, it, it's, it's not important for him. So I think it's a great tool to have for Martin Saint-Louis. And I, I really, really, really think he enjoys coaching a guy like that because we, we call him boring Monahan, you know, but he, the, 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 the boring part is, is, is kind of good for, for a coach because he never complains about anything. He just goes out there and does his job. So I think it's a, it's a good tool for, for Saint-Louis. 
that was a that was a good Twitter account back in the day when that was uh I think it was you know two two three years yeah. into his career in Calgary that was uh yeah. that was quite the Twitter account that was pretty funny um <laughs> yeah let, let's let's head over to the last positive of the 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 night the week the afternoon whatever you want to call it uh Semyon Maltimbo I mean what a season this guy's having and you know everyone thought he was gonna be the 1B to Jake Allen's 1A, but, you know, it's it hasn't been the greatest of seasons for Jake Allen. Uh, you know, f- even forget about those three opening goals against Buffalo. Just, it was, he just, it didn't seem like he was settled in his net um, that game. And, and that's really been the story for the season as a whole. He's put together some good performances, but, but nothing really uh, up to expectation. Are, are we getting to the point where, Samuel Montembeau is becoming the 1A or does Jake Allen still kind of have that veteran respect factor where we're going to call it riding the hot hand? Listen, I I love what Samuel Montembeau is bringing to the table. And I think the fact that he's finally healthy and he's settled in his team, I think it's really important because he was brought back uh, last year by Marc Bergevin at the last second through the waivers. And then he had to to deal with the fact that suddenly he was a, a, a full-time goaltender in the NHL and he got injured and he played uh, be, behind a, a bad team. And then he had that summer, he, he finally signed that contract and now he's settled. He's uh, an excellent goaltender and we see sometimes some uh, some goalies who, who exploded a, a few years into their NHL career. Maybe it's uh, that, that, time of, that type of season for Samuel Montembeau, who knows? But I think um, when you talk about his playing time, I, I, I'm not sure if I want to see him be the number one right now because it's a lot of responsibility, but I want the plan to be around him. I want Samuel Montembeau to play because he deserves it and not because you don't want to see Jake Allen. I want to see him um, be, being at the, at the center of the plan. So if Martin Saint-Louis feels like he needs another game like it was the plan today, then you go and you you you, you give him one. And if you, if you feel like he needs to rest a little bit, you give the net to Jake Allen. So I'm not ready to call um, Samuel Montembeau the number one goaltender right now because I, I want to see a few more games and to see the consistency in his game. But seriously, he is really impressive. And I was not expecting a, so much uh, first quarter of the season for uh, for Montembeau. Yeah, you, and, and you know, you said it, the last point you just made of not expecting and of your expectations of him, I think a lot of people had the same expectations, uh, you know, because we knew he finished last season injured. He had the wrist surgery in the offseason. You know, you mentioned he signs that deal, finally gets settled in, but just what an easy guy to root for because, you know, he was put in such a bad spot, as you said last year, you know, just getting shelled every game and, and just, you know, coming out, answering the questions after the game and, and just being straightforward, not dodging anything. And you could see he really wants it. And and maybe this has something to do with it, but because he's a good Shenu, maybe that makes him want to fight for it even more. So just he's such an easy guy to get behind, and I really hope uh, I really hope his progression continues because we're seeing I don't want to call him a star and and go that far, but we're seeing a, a quality goaltender develop before our very eyes. 
Yeah, absolutely. The the development is is very important, and it's it sometimes goes in the NHL, and we see that with the the, the Canadians, obviously. And I I like his uh, um, resilience because you, you remember last January the the Sakishin incident. Uh, no one came to his defense, but what what did he do? He continued to play for that team, and he continued to to try his hardest. And now it's finally paying off for him. Um, maybe the fact that he's a Quebecois and he grew up uh, watching the Canadians, maybe it's a, a, an added factor. But he, he's at first he is a really good goaltender and he's mm-hmm. learning on the job. So congratulations to to Samuel Montambo because he's doing something really impressive right now. Yeah, and uh, if you're enjoying this conversation, uh, comment sick wherever you're listening, be it on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. Hit uh, comment sick, hit the like button. We'd really appreciate it. And if you're not subscribed to us yet, please subscribe to us. It's absolutely free. And no, I promise we do not spam you with emails and all the other stuff that comes with subscriptions. We uh, just bring you this podcast every night from Monday to Friday. Okay, let's talk about it really quickly. Uh, I don't want to spend too, too much time because we're running out of time. I'm really enjoying this conversation. Uh, a couple negatives from the week and uh, just from the day. Uh, the first one's going to be because you you wrote an article not too long ago about, uh, I think it was uh, back on the 22nd, correct me if I'm wrong, on the next few games of the Canadians, uh, the next stretch of games and how 14 of the next 20 um, are, are going to be on the road. And Uh, to me, that's that speaks to veterans need to start stepping up. You know that that's that's the moment when you know you're on you're on the road for a while. Things could not go your way, and they could spiral out of control really, really quickly. And veterans need to start stepping up. And one of those guys, it, it, to me, is just it's the name that jumps out on every uh, roster list you see is, is Brandon Gallagher in every way possible. He had a couple chances today, had a couple of, uh, well, he had one breakaway and then the other one was called offside, but you know, three goals in 21 games. I know he's not the player he, he used to be, but I, I, I'm curious to get your thoughts because he's not the player he used to be. He's not a 30 goal guy anymore. I'm okay with that, but I don't care how much money you're making three goals in 21 games, no matter who you are in the NHL, it's, it's not enough. No, it's not enough. And the fact that, you know, Brendan Gallagher in the past few years, we said, uh, yeah, but we had long runs in the playoffs and he, mm-hmm. he he's hard on his body and he needs to, to recharge. And he had that time during the summer and everyone was like, okay, Brendan Gallagher is finally healthy. Maybe it's going to make a difference. And we're not seeing that difference right now. So I think that's what makes it hard because if it was last year, we could have said, oh, okay, but we just had six weeks of an off season. It's not enough for a guy like him who's hard on his body. But now he's like running out of excuses, if you if you say so. I think he's going to have to step up. I don't know how he's going to have to 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 take that next steps. But for sure, with, with that contract and that salary, is in Montreal to stay. So he's going to have to figure out the solution with Martin Saint-Louis because he, he's not going anywhere. Yeah, uh, he he's one of those that, you know, if you could get anything, you know, you're running after that deal. You're taking that deal and you're running. You're not walking. So it's just... Again, it's the it's the three goals for me. I know he's he's gotten opportunities, and but it, it's you know I I heard uh, I heard uh, Marc Andre uh, Marc Andre Perrault uh, say it earlier in the week with Tony, is that what Michel Therrien used to say? If you're going to be in the lineup, you got to put up points. And he was talking about Jake Evans uh, when he said that 
And, and now it's it's becoming more and more evidently clear that it needs to be Gallagher. And, you know, it's tough because every, I feel like he's kind of getting a pass because he, everyone understands that he's not that guy anymore. He's not the 30-goal player. He's losing the gas in the tank. There's a lot of miles there. But still, you you got to be putting up the points. And, you know, he's, he's getting the power play time. Uh, maybe... Maybe take him off that second unit because it, it, that's a unit that seems to need work. And and, and thankfully, I'm not Matthias St. Louis dealing with this problem because uh, this is one that's tough to figure out. Yeah, completely. And you know, we don't want to always bring it back to 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 the salary, but at six point five, you need to have some production because if you're not producing at two point five, it's okay because you get, because you can go get guys at six, six point five, seven that are gonna produce. But if your six point five guy is not producing, it's now that you have to find solution to to save money somewhere else to add impact players, and maybe it's gonna push Josh Anderson out of the the, the team because now you need that five point five to compensate for the fact that. Gallagher is not working, so it, it it really is a puzzle for 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 Kent Hughes because, as I said, you're not going to have anything, and I I'm sure he doesn't want to retain salary on a five years contract because it would not be uh, uh, it would not be fair for the future of the team. So really, you need that guy with a with an A on his um, on his shirt to 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 start producing uh, sooner than later. And uh, the same cannot be said about you, Charles Alexi, because you are producing great content all the time at Don Le Coulisse. Uh, tell us a little bit about your work. Just before I let you go, where can we find all your stuff? Um, you can go on at Charles Alexi on uh, Twitter to uh, to follow me. You can go on dansleculisse.com to uh, to read about it. And you can listen to uh, BPM Spa to listen to uh, some chronics. And I have a baseball show on the weekend on BPM Spa. So you can listen to me out there. So a few ways to uh, to reach me. Unbelievable. Okay, perfect. So uh, if I want those Aaron Judge updates of where he's going, uh, you're the guy to listen to on the weekends. Uh, Charles Alexi, thank you very much for joining us on this Friday night and enjoy the weekend. Yeah, thank you very much. That was Charles Alexi uh, with our Habs Talk, the sick podcast. Uh, the sick podcast with Tony Marinero and Matt O'Hans. Test cam equipment is supplied by Ericsson Audio, the choice of musicians engineers and broadcast professionals it's friday thank god it's football tgif thank god it's friday it's also football with matt o'hare hooks a pass wide open chase touchdown bengals we had him last week to talk about bets this week we're gonna do that also of course we're gonna do that you're you're I'm the other guy. That's what I do. I talk about football bets because that's what I love to do. Uh, but we had him last week to talk bets. It's going to be an extended segment this week. We loved him so much last week. We're going to bring him on for longer. Cash from Run My Bets. Cash, how you doing? I'm doing good, man. Uh, I'm excited to talk bets. Excited to uh, go over the slate with you, man. We had a great week with the Cowboys. It was super fun. Oh, yeah, we We're going to do it again. Oh, yeah, we did. Yeah, you talked me into that Cowboys bet last week, and uh, I talked you into the Bengals bet. That was a very lucrative parlay for myself. Um, all right. I mean, I guess you're wearing the hat. You Let's start there. New Orleans uh, uh, heading over to San Francisco. San Francisco, nine-point favorites on, on most books. Um, interesting game because I really don't like uh, New Orleans, but high-point spreads always uh, scare the crap out of me. 
So what's your read on this one? Yeah, um, San Francisco, they're really good. They might be the second best team just on a neutral neutral field point spread. Why is I probably have Kansas City and then I have San Francisco. So the price looks pretty big, but I'm not afraid to lay it. Uh, New Orleans has trouble moving the ball right now. They've got issues everywhere. Their quarterback situation has been a bit of a mess. Uh, they just lost to the Steelers recently. I'm looking to fade the Saints and get on the 49ers. Don't slam them. Don't hammer them. It's not going to be one of my bigger plays of the week, but I'm looking here. The line has been, it's been hit all week. It was, it was seven and a half, eight and a half, and now it's nine and a half. I think this thing's going to go to 10 guys. It's better if you want to bet this game earlier rather than later. I think that's going to benefit you a lot. Get the nine and a half. I think they're going to win by double digits. We just saw what they did to the Cardinals in division rival game in Mexico. Of course, they're coming back again. That's another team too. They're getting really healthy. A lot of their injuries, a lot of the guys that were out, they're getting back. Um, it looks like Armstrong's uh, Armstead's not going to go this week, probably next week, but no massive, no key injuries like they were last year. I'm buying on the 49ers. I'm buying on them to win the division. I'm buying on them to win the conference, and I'm buying on them to win the Super Bowl. Wow. Uh, I love it because I really like the 49ers. Uh, the only part yeah. of that uh, of that little uh, buy segment that you just mentioned was uh, the Super Bowl because uh, it's going to be my Cincinnati Bengals, <laughs> I believe. But, uh, you know, you talked about getting in on lines early, and because really – and I know uh, you mentioned last week that you were going to be on the Tennessee Titans and, and understandably so they, they have the coaching matchup, you know, running away with the coaching matchup. It's a revenge game. They have a lot of rest uh, because they played on last Thursday night to this Sunday, uh, this coming Sunday. I get it. But in my good conscience, I can't bet on the, uh, I can't bet against my Bengals, but I, I caught a couple lines early and uh, just for kind of a PSA that I want us to, there that ever the lines do come out if you feel really good about a line it's good to jump on it right away especially with unknowns out there because i felt good about the Bengals being one and a half point favorites and now they're three favorite news of chase being back um so i i, I slammed that with a uh parlayed with the jets uh before justin all the justin fields news started to really develop and uh, i got them at fourth as well they're up to six so uh, that that could be the importance of uh, of just hammering lines early and often right as they come out. Yeah, it's it's very crucial. Like a lot of these lines, like I, like you just mentioned, you could have gotten the Bengals one and a half. They're three now, and this line's actually moving in my direction. I really like the Titans. I'm going to take a big stance on the Titans. Mm -hmm. They're going to be in teasers. They're going to be on money line parlays, and I'm going to have them plus three probably as my biggest bet of the week, just like the Cowboys last week. Not as big as the Cowboys, but I really, really like the Titans. Catching three at home. Basically, what this tells me is that the Bengals on a neutral field are what a, a four and a half, a five point favorite over the Titans, and maybe a seven and a half point favorite over the Titans at home. I just I can't buy that narrative. I can't buy that number. Mm -hmm. I think the Titans are being undervalued, like they have been all season. I I don't think I would have been as strong as on them as I would have been. But I, when I what I saw in that Packers game, I really liked. I saw a healthy Ryan Tannehill distributing the ball. I saw them running the ball. They looked really good on defense as well. I think it's going to be a tight scoring game. If you want the under, I like the under as well. Give me the Titans. I'm going to take them everywhere. I'm going to have them tied up in all kinds of stuff this weekend. Yeah, and that's fair. And I and again, I get it because uh, I talk bets uh, during the work week. Once a week, I get a call from uh, my buddy Mason, and we talk bets. We look at the we look at the board, and I, I told him because and and it's great that I have you on because really, I'm not really confident about anything out there on the board this week, and I didn't want to force it. But I said to him, I go, I'm going to take the Bengals minus one and a half. I cannot, in good conscience, tell you to do the same. 
And, and it's for all those reasons you laid out. I mean, it's just the, the Titans are a very good team. They get disrespected. But uh, just from the Bengals' perspective, you know, before the uh, after they beat Carolina heading into their bye week, Zach Taylor said uh, at 5-4, and four, it's in our hands. And yeah. he's right because the, the Bengals' schedule is a tough one. They are playing teams – uh, all the teams that they're playing down the stretch are over 500 in the hunt for playoff positioning, except for the Cleveland Browns who have their yeah. number. So yeah. the, if, if you look at the next two weeks, the Bengals are playing this week against Tennessee, and then they got a really good, a really good Kansas City team uh, coming to town the following week. And, and I just they can they can ill afford to lose two games in a row right now at yeah. this point in the playoff race. That's the only reason why I'm taking them this week is because I know they they're going to lose one of those games. Yeah, and if they're going to lose one, it would make more sense for them to lose against Kansas City. Um, yeah. So I, I mentioned. Uh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Um, yeah, Matt, the Bengals really scare me these upcoming weeks because it's not only big game, big games against good teams. They're, it's two playoff revenge games back to back, right? You got the mm-hmm. Titans who lost outright to them last year, who should not have lost that game, guys. Let's be honest. The Titans should have won. A, if you looked at the, well, the box score of that game, Titans should have, should have probably came away double digit victors in that game. They sacked Burrow, what, nine times? And then mm-hmm. the Bengals go on and they beat the Chiefs, right? Well, the Chiefs probably thought they were going to have a second Super Bowl for Patrick Mahomes. Watch out for the Bengals these next two weeks. If you're looking at betting, and if you're looking at betting the Bengals to win the Super Bowl, I don't actually think it's a bad bet. Wait two weeks, you'll get a better price on the number. Right I promise right you. I'm right there with you. And yeah. w- you know, you wait two weeks, and then they got big games coming up down the stretch against teams like the Bills, the Patriots. Yeah. Uh, they also have another game against Cleveland. They have, uh, I'm, they have another game against Baltimore at the end of the season, yeah. which will probably end up being for their playoff lives. You know, these are the games that should they lose the next two weeks, which a lot of people are are expecting them to, they're going to be undervalued immensely down the stretch. So it'd be a great time uh, to bet on them. So I mentioned to you that I'm really, you know, I looked down this board and I said, wow, uh, I really don't know what to do this week. Uh, what are some games that that jump out at you? That are uh, that are that have interesting betting perspectives. Not only just the line, but maybe even player props. Um, yeah, so there's one game that really sticks out to me, and it's Kansas City minus fifteen and a half. And this number has skyrocketed. It was twelve and a half, and it went to thirteen and a half, and it's now fifteen and a half. And that's not public money because a lot of the public recreational betters they're not betting the Chiefs on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. This is sharp money coming in here against the Rams. Um, I like it. I like the side. It's going to be on my Sunday card. I'm not going to hammer it, and I'm going to tell you why I don't hammer it. I'm not going to hammer this play because the Chiefs do have a look ahead. Then following week, they're going to be playing the Bengals, the team who just knocked them off, and the Chiefs are going to want to win that game. Um, so for the sole purpose of a look ahead spot, a little bit of a let's, let's call it, let's let's call a spade a spade. It's going to be a bit, it's going to be a bit of a cold spot for the Chiefs. They're playing an un- it's going to be an uninspiring spot. They're playing against a Rams team. This Rams team is an absolute mess. I don't exaggerate when I say this. This this literally might be the worst team in the NFL right now. Their offense is anemic. They're on their third string quarterback. Uh, their defense has been okay, but if, even if they give up 21 points to the Chiefs, which we think is automatic, I don't know that they're going to be able to put six points up on the board. I really don't know that. And then you get turnovers in the mix too. If the Chiefs put up four touchdowns, the Chiefs are going to cover this number. So a lot of people see that big number and they're a little bit deceived by it. They're going to think, oh, Rams plus 15 and a half, the Super Bowl champions. There's no way they're going to get blown out, right? I think the game could get really ugly. I think it'll be one of the worst games of the year. Bet the Chiefs. Yeah, and you know what? I, I've said it many, many times uh, on this podcast. I said it to you last week, and I said it to you right off the hop when we were talking about the uh, the Niners um, on big point spreads. You know, I don't really love double-digit point spreads, um, especially in the NFL, 
But this one, it, it's all signs pointing to it happening. I mean, yeah. for all the reasons you just pointed out, and and you know, you could even you, you could rationalize it by saying rationalize hammering the the Rams by saying you know that they have Cooper Cup. Well, Cooper Cup's injured also. That's their yeah. number one weapon that would help yeah. that backup quarterback or a third string quarterback. So it's it's a tough spot for the Rams. Um, the only thing I fear is that is there is that stat out there of uh, Patrick Mahomes as a double digit point favorite. He, he yeah. doesn't do too well, but this is this might be one that might improve that record. Um, let, let's talk. Let's talk this one because it's a really intriguing game to me, and the and I'd say that for a couple of reasons. So I'm looking at Tampa Bay as three and a half point favorites uh, heading over to Cleveland. This is one of the more interesting games uh, on the slate this week because you know. What's this Cleveland team going to look like? You know they they just had a they just had a tough uh, a tough loss, and then you know they they know that they have Deshaun Watson coming back. Playoff chances are kind of slim at this point, if yeah. not completely dead. Yeah, but they know they need to win for the Deshaun Watson effect to have an effect because they you know they they'll have what six games with Watson down the stretch if they win all those six games in theory. If you go on a six-game run, you can make the playoffs. But on yeah. the other side, there's the Tampa Bay Bucks, who have the worst rushing offense of all time. Yeah. Um, but they're getting it done. It's it's just the it's a very very intriguing matchup to me. Yeah, this is a total stay away for me, man. I, I'm not going to be involved in this game whatsoever. Maybe if the Browns get to four and a half, you could see me on the side with the Browns. Um, it's Tom Brady coming off a bye. The Bucks started to get get their stuff together, but if you look at their last two wins. The Rams are awful. Like I said, the Rams might be the worst team in the league, and they almost beat the Bucs, right? If not for some Brady magic in the last 40 seconds, they would have lost that game. And then you look at the Seattle game, and the Bucs dominated a large, large, large portion of that game. But look how it ended, man. If there was 10 more minutes on the clock, the Seahawks would have won that game. So the Bucs scare me, and I I think the Bucs are a little overvalued, and I want to fade the Bucs a little bit, but I'm not going to be taking this Browns team. Um, They looked great in the first 10 minutes against Buffalo last week, and that's all they looked good for. They got Deshaun Watson coming in soon. Jacoby Brissett knows he's going to be done here. Any any minute he's going to be done. Um, This game scares me a lot. I think there's a lot of randomness, a lot of variance in this game. I I could see it going either way. I can see the Browns winning. I can see the Browns keeping it close, and I can see Tampa blowing them out. So for that reason, it's boring, but uh, I got to stay off this game. You're not going to find this game on my card. You know, uh, and I'm right there with you because I, w- I was because you're you we bring you in as the expert, and I was just very interested to get your take because yeah. I had that feeling of the game, yeah, of you know, like wow, this is like because that that's what they say, you know, as the season goes on, Vegas and the bookmakers just they they know what they're doing at this point. Yeah. It, it's yeah. really hard to find those spots where you know you could find that value spot. Um, Another double-digit point uh, spread in the week this week. I, I kind of like it in a weird way. Um, I'm not going to bet it, but I will touch that game uh, by taking the over. But yeah. Houston uh, taking o- going over to Miami. The the over the 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 line is set at 47 points. Yeah, I think Miami could get to 40 on their own in this game, which is why I'm going to go over on this one. Uh, but uh, are are you siding with Miami or Houston in this one? Look, like Matt, like you mentioned before, man, you called it. The slate is ex- extremely tough. And I look at a game like this, and I can't get involved on the side or the total. And I'm going to tell you why. The Dolphins are 14 point favorites. I think the number is actually right where it's at. If it was 13 and a half, maybe I'd consider a Dolphins wager. The Dolphins look incredible. Tyree Kill's on pace to have an all time receiving season. Uh, the Dolphins are good. They're borderline elite. The Texans, 
I can't do it, man. I can't do it. Last week, the professionals were on them. The Sharps were on them. I like them. I took them at three and a half. They got absolutely blown out by a Washington team on a letdown. I can't do it. I can't lay 14 either. This game, it's scary, man. Look, if Houston actually looks pretty good against the New York Giants. They lost that game outright two weeks ago. Yeah. But they outplayed them and they looked good. They, they beat them on yards per play, which is a really, really important stat. If Houston wouldn't have looked so good against the Giants, I probably would have been on the Dolphins. But then again, if they didn't look that good against the Giants, the point spread would have, would be Lord knows what. So again, man, I have no look towards the total. And the total seems a little bit low in the Dolphins games. I, if, if I'm playing a Dolphins game, it's over or nothing. For me, the concern is the Dolphins could put up 35, but I think the Texans might only put up 10. Yeah, that, that's... Um... That, that's fair. Uh, sorry if, uh, yeah, sorry for that pause. It's just that my internet no, no, cut out there for a second. Had a bit of a, had a bit of a freak out there, but no, uh, no it's um, the, the, the 47 and a half. It's interesting to me because you said that, you know, that they could, that they could put up 35 and then it just yeah. over and done with, but yeah. it's just the, 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 the Dolphins defense is not one that I trust very much no. um, against really any team. So yeah. that, that's why that, that total jumped out to me, especially like you said, in Dolphins games, on the when they're when the when the game's in the 40s, that might be my new rule of thumb. Is just unless it's against the Broncos, I don't even know if yeah. they play down the stretch, but that'll be my rule of thumb. Just bet the over in that game. Uh, speaking of the Broncos, I never thought I would see the day where they are in a pick'em yeah. against Carolina. <laughs> I, <Yeah. laughs> you know, I I was tempted to take Carolina. Yeah, but there's just there's just not enough. If they were catching points, you know, in a pick them, I just can't get myself to do it. But if they if they were catching points, I would have done it. Uh, but I also just can't bet confidently on the Denver Broncos. Yeah. Uh, your your thoughts. Yeah, you're right. On the side here, if you're going to bet this game, you got to take the Panthers, right? I see them at plus one across the board. If you want to get a six-point teaser involved there, you can get them up to plus seven, and you can tie that in with all kinds of stuff. I mean, you could put that with uh, the San Francisco. You could put that with the Eagles, get the Eagles down to a pick. Um I like the Panthers side. I missed out on the number. Truth, truth be told, I missed out on the number. I would have taken them at two and a half. I would have teased them up from two and a half to eight and a half. Now that it's at one, again, man, this is a really tough spot. If I had a free bet on this game, it would be Panthers. And I, I might see this on my Sunday slate. You never know. But at this point in time, I'm, there's no chance I'm not taking the Broncos. Absolutely no chance. It's Panthers or nothing for me. One, to, one thing, I like the total in this game. It's 36. It's probably the lowest total we've had all year. Um, here's the thing. Really, really high totals go over and really, really low totals go under. It's about a 62% trend in the NFL. When you see an abnormally high total over or an abnormally high under, a low under, sorry, if you bet that side, a lot of times you're going to cash a ticket. There's a reason why these numbers are so exaggerated. 36, guys. It's too decent. Like the Carolina Panthers, they, their defense is whatever. It's okay. The Denver Broncos defense is elite, and their offense is not, and the Panthers offense isn't. They got Sam Darnold going this week. It inspires a little bit of confidence in me. You know what? I can see myself taking a teaser on this game, actually. I think that's probably what I'm going to do on Sunday. I'm going to tease the, the Panthers. Six-point teaser. Panthers plus seven. Get the 36 up to 43, under 43. I think that's a solid play. Something like that probably going to see a little bit of a ticket out of me for sure. So uh, just, to, just to prime you, we are going to do sick picks together. So get your top five bets of yeah. the week ready. Um, but uh, a game that I need to get your opinion on, uh, yep. another one, just because, again, this slate is just insane. And this number jumped out at me but not as a hammer spot because of the way they've looked in the past few weeks but yeah. as a why is this number so low and it's probably for that reason which is the baltimore ravens yeah only three and a half point favorites against the jacksonville jaguars team yeah this, this is my favorite bet of the week i absolutely love the jaguars um the the public's going to be all over the ravens the money's already come for the ravens 
But with that being said, the line moved down. Why did the line move down? Because some wise guys, some sharp, some professionals come in, came in with money on the Jaguars. Respected money has come in for the Jaguars plus four. The number is down at three and a half. I loved it at plus four. I still love it at three and a half. The Jaguars, listen to this. The Jaguars point differential is plus 11. The Vikings before yesterday's game, their point differential was uh, minus three, and they're eight and two. The Jaguars are three and seven. The Jaguars aren't as bad as everyone thinks they are. They're at home. They're catching three and a half points. The Ravens offense has been struggling. I told everyone to take the Ravens on a small play last week. They won by 10. Unfortunately, they didn't get there, but it was against an anemic Panthers team. They almost, I'm not going to say they almost lost, but they should have covered that number. Watch out. I think I'm going to sprinkle a little bit on the Jaguars money line. I'm big on the Ravens this year. I was last year too. I'm not as big on the Jaguars. And look, here's the truth. The Jaguars, all they've done all year is burn my, burn my money. I'm going to bet on them again this week. It's going to be my favorite play. I think the number is a little bit big. Give me the Jaguars on the money line. Give me on the spread. Joes are going to be on the Ravens. Pros will be on the Jaguars. I promise you. I think the Jaguars are going to cash this field goal game. Uh, you know what? I- I'm very happy you said that for a couple of reasons because that friend that I mentioned that we talk football every yeah, year yeah. Uh, earlier in the season, um, I was big on the Seahawks and I was taking advantage and I was cashing tickets on the on the Seahawks. He was big on the Jaguars and just burning money every yeah. week on the Jaguars. Yeah. I'm yeah. sure he was thinking about that play. Yeah. Wasn't, couldn't bring himself to do it, but I'm sure after hearing that Mason, uh, I know you're going to take the Jaguars <laughs> and Hey, I might even join you. I might even join you on that yeah. one because it, it, it's one where, you know, you, you said it yourself. The Jaguars aren't as bad as everyone else makes them to be. Yeah. I feel like a lot of that is past reputation and yeah. just, man, they're, they're able to move the ball this year. And really that's all that matters because if you're able to move the ball, eventually the points are going to come. Yeah. And, you know, Trevor Lawrence has looked okay this year, but his weapons are the ones that are really, uh, really making me raise my eyebrows and Christian yeah. Kirk and Travis Etienne in the past couple of weeks. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. I, so, I like the Jaguars, man. If, if Trevor Lawrence has an issue, he turns the ball over in the red zone a lot, and he's killed them so many games this year, turning the ball over on the one yard, two line, two uh, two yard line. If he doesn't do that this game, they'll win. They'll cover the game. I'm not going to tell you they're going to win, but they'll cover. If he doesn't make huge mistakes, they'll be okay. So the next one uh, that's jumping out at me because I hate the team that they are playing against. I think they're just an awful, awful football team. Mm-hmm. We talked about them earlier when uh, you know when you mentioned the San Francisco 49ers, division rivals. We have the LA Chargers as three-point favorites going over to Arizona. Um, I mean, listen, this to me, it's the classic spot where – both of these teams hate winning football games. Yeah. They love finding ways to lose. So it, it, it's it's three points flat. I mean, I might just take it down by the. I might buy the half point and put it. I put the Chargers at two and a half. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. Whenever I see the Arizona Cardinals in a tight line, yeah. I just think to myself, this has to be a trap. I need to stay away from this. Yeah. Um. It's a tricky number at three. It's a stay away from me. But I'm seeing threes at plus one hundred actually for the Chargers. Um, very similar game. So the Chargers visited Atlanta, I think two or three weeks ago. Same thing happened. It was minus three all week uh, on game day. Sunday morning, the number came down to two and a half. I fired on the Chargers. What happened? They won with a walk-off field goal. They won by three. If the number is three, I am. there is no chance I'm involving myself in this game. If you can get a two and a half, the Chargers need this game a lot more than the Cardinals do. The Cardinals season is over. Let's be honest about it. The Chargers still alive, still humming. They're a team that can beat the Chiefs. Trust me, if they, these two teams meet in the playoffs, the Chargers have a legitimate chance at making a push. They did last year and they do this year. Watch out for the Chargers. I'm buying on the Chargers. If this number hits two and a half, it'll go from being a no play to a big play for me. That's how much the half point matters for me at this point. 
Yeah, I'm right there with you. And the fact that it is that, like you said, they're at plus 100, the, yeah. the three point line yeah. in some places, you know, you could possibly get that that half point at a pretty good price if you're going to yeah. buy down on it. So, yeah. Um, so that that could be a that's a great play to me because again I it's just you'll hear me say it over and over again on this podcast I really think the Arizona Cardinals are a really bad football team yeah. it might be a different story when Hollywood comes back because they'll have a complete offense at that yeah. point but until now I can't trust uh well we don't even know if Carla Murray is going to play um yeah. but we can't trust him you can't trust Cliff Kingsbury and just what more do you need for, to justify Exactly. Exactly. Keenan Allen, Mike um, Williams, watch out for the Chargers, man. A couple more games I want to talk about with you yeah, because yeah. Uh, there, there's interesting lines that jump out to me, and we're going to start with the with this one, and it's it's going to be Green Bay paying a visit to Philadelphia at six and a half point favorites. Yeah. So that same friend Mason who has lost all of his money on the uh, on the Jacksonville Jaguars has made it fading the Eagles on the line. Is this another spot to fade the Eagles on the line? It's tricky, man. At seven, I wanted to take Green Bay. At six and a half, I'm actually leaning the Eagles. Uh, I think it's actually a good spot for the Eagles. They're home, primetime game. They just had a scare against the Colts, and they lost to the Commanders. The Eagles are going to want to get right, and I think the Packers lost their season. I think the season was over when they lost to the Titans. They got a massive momentum. They won and beat the Cowboys. If they could have shown me something against the Titans, I had the Titans in that game, admittedly, and we won. That was a really nice ticket I cashed. But I was scared of that. Maybe the Packers turn a corner and maybe they save their season. They didn't, guys. The Packers are not a good team this year at all. Um, I'm scared I'm scared of the Packers, man, because here's the thing. They can't make the number too high because it's Aaron Rodgers. Look what he did with the Bills. The number was 10.5. He backdoor covered that number by himself, right? Um, mm-hmm. If it was 7, I would lean Packers. But if it is 6.5, I will have Eagles in my pocket on Sunday night, 100%. I could have them in a teaser as well. My, uh, get a six-point teaser on there, like I mentioned with you before. You get that maybe with Carolina. You get Carolina plus 7. You get the Eagles minus a half point. You just need them on the money line. Something like that really intrigues me. Something like that I think I could do. If the Eagles lose, they're a loss away from the Cowboys, away from losing the, the first seed, the bye. The Eagles should walk their way to this bye, to this NFC uh, divisional round without having to play in the wild card. But watch out, man. If they lose another game, they're going to be in trouble. I think the Cowboys are a lot better than them, and I think the Cowboys will beat them. And they're head-to-head, so the Eagles need to win every single game on the way out. So two more games we're going to touch um, before we move on to our sick picks of the weekend. Uh, Las Vegas paying a visit over to Seattle. Uh, yeah. Seattle are four-point favorites. Yeah. This one, uh, it's, again, another intriguing one on me. Because it's four points, I'm leaning Las Vegas. Uh, especially because before their bye week, Seattle, they kind of got exposed against the Bucks. Yeah, and you know, the, like you said, ten more minutes in that game, the Se- the Seahawks probably win that game. Yeah, but you saw what Geno Smith looks like under pressure. It's an ugly, ugly thing, and they the 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 Raiders just happen to have Max Crosby, who's one of the best pass rushers yeah. in the league. Yeah, you're on the right side, man. Uh, the number's moving as we speak. I think it actually is getting hit. I think it got hit five minutes ago. It's down to three and a half at global marketplaces like that. I think it. I think it's going to be three on Sunday. Um, so just the fact that you said you said you like the four. Well, it looks like the fours are disappearing. I don't think they're going to be there tomorrow morning. If you're watching live and you want the Raiders, take them now. I don't mind to play in the Raiders. They're probably going to see my card on Sunday. If they're at three, they will not. But at three and a half, I'm going to bet them personally. On Sunday, come Sunday, what card are my clients going to get? If it's a three and a half, they will see Raiders in my pocket. The Raiders are actually a team I'm looking to buy on a little bit. The market's extremely low on them. Um, they just beat the Denver Broncos in an awful game. That was a hard game to watch, but they got it done in overtime. 
watch out for the Raiders, man. Look at their losses. They were up 17-0 on the Jaguars. They lost. They were up 17-6 on the Cardinals. They lost outright. They were up 17 points on the Chiefs. They lost that game. If you flip a few of these results around and they might be the first place in their division, not maybe not the first place in their division, but they might be in a playoff spot. That's a lot of things. That's something not a lot of people take into account. There's a lot of variance in these games, a lot of randomness. If you take out those 17-point swings, those games where they were up so big, if you take them out of the equation, they're what, 6-4 and four maybe? Watch out for the Raiders. I'm buying on the Raiders. I like the Raiders at 3.5. If you can get a 3.5 now, I recommend you bet that right now. So uh, one more game. And it's going to be the Monday nighter Pittsburgh yeah. at Indianapolis. Indianapolis are two point favorite, two and a half point favorites. Wow. Uh, I, this to me is a smash hammer. Don't even think twice on the Pittsburgh money line. Uh, it's just, they looked that offense. They moved the ball against a very, very good Bengals defense yeah. last week. And, you know, it was the it, w- it was their defense that let them down. And T.J. Watt knows that because he was yeah. essentially shut down in that game, except for that spectacular, spectacular interception. interception. Yeah. Um, I, I think this is where T.J. Watt shines the brightest, which is in primetime, because that's what the best players in the NFL yeah. do. I think the Colts kind of got 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 away with uh, catching a sleeping a sleeping Eagles team last week. Yep. This line to me is way too low. I, I'm smashing the, the the money line on Pittsburgh this week. How do you read this one? I, I like the Colts. I don't know if I'm going to bet it. It's a really tough spot. I want this line to move a little bit. If I can get a three on the Steelers, I don't think I will. But if I can get a three, I'll definitely be on the Steelers. If this line stays under a three and my clients really want to play for the prime time, I'm going to hit the Colts. The Colts just look like a little bit of a different team since they fired Frank Reich. I think Frank Reich's an outstanding coach. I think he's going to find a job next year. I just think it breathed new life into them getting Jeff Saturday. Um, Matt Ryan's playing. Jonathan Taylor's playing again. This is the Colts team that I thought were going to be at the beginning of the year. Really solid defense. A little bit of a slow offense, but a good run game. If Matt Ryan does not turn the ball over, I think the Colts are going to win this game. That's what it comes down to, though. He's been pressured so much. He's been hit a lot. He's been sacked a lot. Is what scares me a little bit with this game. No official at this point in time. I lean Colts. I like the Colts. My mind might be changed on Monday, but at this point in time, if I had to bet this game, I would take the Colts. If this number hits three, though, it is instant bet on the Steelers. And I know a lot of people are going to say, how can you flip-flop so easily on a half point? In the NFL, these numbers are so important. It's The number is everything. Mm-hmm. Three, three and a half four and a half, six and seven. They are such big numbers. If you can get these numbers, the difference between winning and losing a bet, especially in a game with a low total like this, if you're catching three points, either way, you've got to take it. Very, uh, yeah, I'm right there with you. The, the, the half point, especially on the significant numbers are, are massive and yeah. two and a half into three is a very, very significant number. Yeah. Um, all right, let's do it. Let's get to sick picks. It's time for sick picks brought to you by Betway. All right, so we're doing it. Sick Picks brought to you by Betway. Um, please gamble responsibly. You have, must be 19 years or older to sign up for an account. Uh, so I'll, I'll give my first pick of the week. We'll, we'll kind of go 1-1-1-1. One, 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 one. Uh, and I said it right off the hop. I, I mean, Pittsburgh money line. I, I just, I, I'm convinced of it. I, I love TJ Watt. I am his biggest fan, which is saying a lot coming from a Bengals fan. Yep. I will you know, go till the end of time calling him the best player in the NFL right now. So give me a Pittsburgh money line with a healthy TJ Watt and a defense that is looking for revenge after a pretty pitiful performance last week. Um, I'm going to go with the Falcons plus four. One game we didn't talk about. It's not the flashiest game. It's not the most exciting game. 
Give me the Falcons plus four. Run heavy game. It's going to be a field goal game. Someone's going to win this game by three points. There will not be a blowout. The total in this game, I'm looking at it right now, guys. It's 40.5. It's a really low total. You're giving me four points with the Falcons. The Falcons are going to win this game outright. I think they're the better team. They're cashing four points as well. I think the Falcons on the move. Get them get them with the four points now. This line is going to move. I'm shocked that it stayed at four all week. Yeah, and you know what? I'm right there with you. That was my second one. That was my <laughs> second one is Falcons plus four. Uh, I, I, they're just a weird team, man. I yeah. can't get a grasp on them. And I think, you know, with uh, with Kyle Pitts on the IR, I think they're yeah. really just going to start smashing the ball uh, down the throat, which, you know, just to give everyone perspective, I watched the game against uh, Atlanta and the Bengals. Yeah. They were down 17 points and still, what are they doing? Pounding the yeah. rock. So uh, give me the plus four. I like that one as well. Yeah. Um, another one that I'm going to go to, um, you're going to want to clo- hold your nose when you do this again. It's not fun. Just uh, the professionals are on this game, guys. I'm telling you, the pros are betting this game heavy. The Jaguars plus three and a half. Doesn't look nice. It doesn't look pretty. It's not something you want to do. You're going to like it when four o'clock Eastern hits and you got money, extra money in your pocket. Take the Jaguars plus three and a half. Sprinkle 10% of your bet from the spread. Sprinkle it on the money line. They're going to win the game. Not positive they're going to win the game. I'm not guaranteeing anybody that. They're going to cover the spread, though. Sprinkle a little bit on the money line. Get involved in the spread. I like the Jaguars plus three and a half a lot. It's going to be my top play this week, I think. Uh, another another one of my plays this week is going to be uh, Houston and Miami. I said it earlier. The over, the 47 points, If it, I doubt it'll go down. But yeah. if it does, especially at 46 and a half, yeah. um, you know, I'll take that all day. But right now it's at 47. I yeah. will take that and run with it because I think the Dolphins can put up, you know, 35 to 40 points on their own. Yeah. And that is light work for a garbage time touchdown off the hands of Davis Mills or yeah. out of the hands of Davis Mills into one of his weapons. So uh, give me the over in the Houston and Miami game. Yeah, look, and I can't. I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just saying, for me personally, I'm staying off the game. If you feel confident, man, I might fire with you. For me, if I had to lean the total, it'd be over or nothing. It's just the Dolphins get there with overs, man. They do get there. I'm scared of the Texans laying an egg and dropping three points. Mm-hmm. But like you said, the, the the Dolphins defense has been butter, and the Dolphins games go under, man. Same with the Bears games. Uh, I'm with you on it. I'm not. I'm not going to fade. I'm not going to tell people not to take it. I don't mind the play. Truth be told. If the number comes down, I will be on the over 100%. So uh, my this will be – I think this is my fourth selection. Yeah. Um, listen, I got it at one and a half. Like I said earlier, it's now at two and a half some places. Some places it's three. Yeah. I will not advise people to take the Bengals minus three. But yeah. at two and a half, Cash, I know you're big on the Titans, but you could see an argument uh, and you could see the argument that I presented to you as to why they could cover two and a half. I'm going to take Bengals minus two and a half as it yeah. stands right now. Yeah. Again, if that number raises, do not touch it. I got yeah. it at one and a half. I'm very, yeah. very lucky, uh, but take it at two and a half if you could find it, according to me. Yeah. I, I, you're, you're right. 100%. If, if you want to take the Bengals, you got to take them. Now you cannot, don't take a three on that game. I promise you guys uh, do not take a three. That's going to be, that's going to be ugly. I think tight, even if the Bengals win the hook, the three is really, really important. I think the Titans are going to cover the three. We'll find out guys on the next episode. My last play for sick picks. It's going to be the jets minus six. This one's going to surprise everybody a little bit. It's been a tough slate guys. Truth be told, it's one of the hardest slates I've ever seen in the NFL. I've been capping the NFL for five years now. This slate is pretty tough. I like the jets minus six though, in a nice spot. You, everyone's heard the news about Zach Wilson. Mike White's coming in. I'm not betting the Jets for their offense. I'm fading the Bears because Justin Fields probably isn't going to go. And even if he goes, he's severely injured, man. I think this guy should stop, tank some games, get a better pick for the Bears. 
He's their guy. He's looked great all season. You you guys were right with the run rushing guards last week, but look what it did to him. It absolutely destroyed his body. Yeah. And it just goes to show you, man, look what Lamar did two years ago, beating the rushing record. Justin Fields was on pace to have the all-time rushing record by a quarterback, right? And he probably would have gotten it, but with these injuries, I'm not so sure anymore. Fade the Bears. I don't know where their offense is going to come from without him. It's a huge number. Everybody's saying, oh, my God, the Jets are six-point favorites. Guys, these are not the Jets of 2019, of 2020, of 2021. These are the new Jets. Great defense. Robert Sala has them playing great. They're going to only put up 13 or 17 points, maybe 21 points. That's all they're going to need to cover this game, guys. I do not see the Bears getting the ball in the end zone without Justin Fields. And even if Justin Fields plays, you're going to get a discount on the number, and he's injured, man. He is not 100%. He's not even 70%. Yeah, I'm right there with you. The six points, uh, it scared me. I'm thankful I got it at four and a half. Jets minus yeah. four and a half seems like an absolute lock. 100%. To me. I mean, there's, 100%. There, there, there's no two ways about that one. Yeah. Um, so for my last pick, some people might call it a cop out. I call it a nice little bonus sprinkler on the top of your parlay. And it's going to be a Jeff Wilson Jr. Uh, anytime touchdown. You know, Raheem Mostert also, I think he's questionable last I saw. He may be out, but I, I, I'm not expecting him to play in this game against the Houston Texans. Yeah. And I've been telling you guys all week, the Houston Texans have one of the worst run defenses I have yeah. ever seen in my entire life. Um, Jeff Wilson Jr. will make his way into the end zone. The number as a standalone bet isn't great. I, I go by decimals and I think I saw it at 1.57, which yeah. is pretty pretty darn bad for a guy yeah, that yeah. Not, you know that, yeah, whose name is not it's yeah. not his name isn't derrick henry you know so yeah. it's not yeah. the best number on someone like that but considering the defense he's playing i like jeff wilson jr to score and to make his way into the end zone yeah man i can't talk you off but they're gonna score what four or five touchdowns at least he's definitely gonna be one of them there you go so uh cash thank you very much enjoy the football on sunday tell us yeah. uh tell us about where where we could find more of your stuff uh, guys, message me on Instagram at Run My Bets. Shoot me a message. You can find me on Twitter. I'm not as active on Twitter. I'm not very active on Instagram. Message me at Run My Bets. Shoot me a message. I'll send you a free card, whatever it is. Tell me you saw me on the podcast. Shoot me a DM, guys. All messages are welcome. Whether you like my picks, whether you hate them, whether you want to tell me you hate me, whatever you want to say, message me. I love it all. All right, uh, Cash. Enjoy the football on Sunday and have yourself a very fine weekend. You too, man. You too. All right, uh, so we are not done yet. We have one more thing to go. It's time to go for gold. Go for gold. A daily World Cup report. Alfonso Davies keeps it himself. Presented by Bijou Tree Bossy. Go for Gold is brought to you by Bijou Tree Bassi. Bijou Tree Bassi has provided professional service and fine jewelry for over 30 years. Visit the store at 9640 Boulevard Saint-Michel in Montreal, Quebec. Post the code H1H5G6 or call them at 514-387-9528. This was... Quite the day in the World Cup, uh, especially for me, because for those of you who've been following Tony uh, and followed him to this podcast, you've heard me work with him in the past, and you know that I am a massive, massive England fan. Uh, that comes from, you know, trips to England, and uh, I'm a Manchester United fan, 
And uh, yeah, so I just, I always needed a team to cheer for because my lineage is uh, Canadian through and through. So uh, I cheer for England and that game against the USA, if I can, I'm going to go in a little bit of a rant here. And I, I mean, because I'm sure there are other England supporters listening. And if not, you're probably an Italy supporter, in which case, I'm sorry you didn't make the World Cup, but you're going to enjoy what I'm about to say, especially because you beat England in the Euros a couple uh, last year, which is I cannot get behind Gareth Southgate. This game ended 0-0. They were coming off of a 6-2 win against Iran. They go in against the USA, who is a very, by all accounts, a very talented, young, fearless team, very similar to our Canada. And they are just... I, I don't get it. They were not dangerous. Uh, when they got their chances, they were very apprehensive with the ball. And just Harry Kane did not get what he needed from his supporting cast to put the ball in the net. And I say that because Harry Kane is not the player he once was, and he's got a bum foot. So you would think naturally that you're going to that you're going to sub on Phil Foden when uh, things are looking bleak offensively for you, you inject some life into that offense. No, they put in Jordan Henderson, who's a holding midfielder. I, I just, I, I don't get it. I'm st- Gareth Southgate. It's, he he Southgated the game, you know. He he saw that he saw that uh, the USA was taking it to him, so he said, "Let's just not lose this game." Which in in tournament soccer, I guess it's fine because you know they came away with the point. They did what they needed to do. They're still first in the group. That is fine. Anyways, rant over. Moving on. Uh, the game, uh, probably the game of the day. You can uh, you can make a case one of these two games. Game of the, for me, it was was the game between Iran and Wales. So. Wales uh, just looked atrocious in this game, but they hung around until I think it was the 85th minute when their goaltender decided to uh, the WWE fans out there who are familiar with Sheamus uh, just give a brogue kick to the uh, to an Iranian striker and get a red card. Now Iran had chances all all game this one, and they looked incredible, especially off the after the emotional. Um, the emotionalness of that national anthem that was played at the beginning where you saw fans in the crowd crying because of the protest back home and they were booing the anthem. Their own fans were booing and whistling the anthem. They came away uh, off the two last kick of the game with a 2 nothing win. So that, uh, is a, that's a big result for Iran who lost big against England uh, in match day one. The other group that was playing today was Group A, uh, Qatar, who by all accounts, they suck at soccer. I'm sorry for giving them to you last week in my sick picks. Uh, as you know, an automatic winner against against Ecuador right after the first kick of the ball in that game, I said to myself, "Oh no, I'm in trouble. I'm about to lose a lot of money." Uh, they lost three to one to Senegal, and uh, the Netherlands had a had a chance to qualify for the knockout round, and they fumbled the bag. They drew 1-1 to Ecuador as, uh, you know, Enter Valencia. He is, right now, he's your golden boot leader, but I don't think it's going to stay that way, unfortunately, for the Ecuadorian as he uh, suff- uh, he went down with an injury and had to leave the game on a stretcher. So uh, look out because the next game, the next match day in Group A is going to be crucial. I think it's still going to be the Netherlands who move on and... It's tough because Ecuador is in second place right now with four points, but uh, Enter Valencia, who is their captain, who I mentioned before, who left that game, if he is unable to go with that knee injury, um, 
he scored all six of their last goals that they've that Ecuador has scored. So I don't see a way that they would take that game against Senegal. So look for Netherlands and Senegal to move on as my prediction tomorrow. A big, big slate of games. It is the, the marquee game. We'll start with that one. Is uh, bring up the graphic, please. Thank you very much. So we'll start with the marquee game, with depending on who you cheer for, but I'm going to say it's this one, which is the 11 a.m. game between France and Denmark. France looked uh, a little shaky in those first five minutes against Australia. And uh, I thought to myself, uh, oh, no, are we going to see another another upside in this game when Australia went up one nothing? But uh, no, we're not. We didn't see that upset. And now France plays a very stout defensive team in Denmark uh, who capitalize on their chances. You know, I, I really like uh, I really like Denmark, but just how could you bet against France? They're going to look to build off that win against Australia. They want to they want the automatic qualification. These are champions. You're reigning champs. They're not going to fumble the bag on the opportunity to move on out of the knockouts. Uh, we'll talk about the two o'clock game, which is uh, the other marquee matchup: uh, Argentina against Mexico. Argentina, of course, coming off that very famous two one loss to Saudi Arabia. Um, Listen, I think Argentina will get this right. They just have too much quality not to. Uh, this Mexican side, they fight hard. They We've seen them a couple times against Canada. And uh, we saw it in their first game. And the second things don't go their way, they start to crumble a little bit. And I think that's what we're going to see here against Argentina. I think Argentina, Messi will will this team into winning that game because they know they need to win. Uh, next up is Poland against Saudi Arabia. We'll talk about that one. Saudi Arabia, all the credit to them. They won, but there's just too much celebration around this game. Um around that game against uh, Argentina, of course, but how could you not? I mean, you're Saudi Arabia and you just beat Lionel Messi and Argentina. That was their, that was their tournament right there. You know, it, it, there's reports of the players getting Rolls Royces and, and Rolexes and they, they had a national holiday in Saudi Arabia after the win. I'm sorry. I, I think uh, Poland is going to give you a little bit of a reality check and you're going to finish where you're supposed to finish in this group. So look for Poland to win that game at 8 a.m. And then uh, the game that only the hardcores, at least in my time zone, will be up at uh, to watch, which is Tunisia against Australia. I really like this Tunisian side. They, they showed me a lot in their first game. I think they were really, really impressive against Denmark. And uh, I think they'll just outright beat Australia. I had a, I had hopes for the Australians at the beginning of the tournament. Um, but then I just saw the way that I, I thought they would finish third. I saw the way Tunisia looked against um, against in their first game. And I, I just love the way they looked. So give me Tunisia to win that game. Uh, I'll just talk about Sunday really quickly because, of course, Canada is playing at 11 a.m. against Croatia. Um so I was talking to Sammy and Yellow and Juliana uh, during the uh, during our pre-show meeting about this game, and Yellow asked me if I'm going to bet on Canada. I, I and I wanted to put it in my sick picks, but I didn't end up doing it. But I, I will give you there is probably pretty good value on the on a double result of Canada or draw. So if you bet that, that means that if the game ends in a draw, you win the bet. If Canada wins, you win the bet. And I'm not going to go out on a limb and say Canada is going to win this game because they looked fantastic against Belgium. That was, you know, it, it, they looked incredible and they dictated the pace of that game. But unfortunately, 
that's the thing about soccer. It is a it is a ruthless sport that, you know, at the end of the 90 minutes, it doesn't matter because it's all about the score. And in a tournament like this, you got to be able to move on mentally. It looks like they have, you know, John, John Herdman, he said uh, in the, his post game that they're going to go out there and F Croatia, you know, light a little bit of a fire under Croatia. But he did something smart. He put he took the attention off his team and he put it on him. I think that's a very savvy veteran, uh, veteran coach move in gamesmanship. So look for Canada to draw because the way for the Canada is going to qualify, I'm going to draw it out for you, is that right now Belgium has three points with two games to go. Their next game is against Morocco on Sunday. Uh, you have to assume that Belgium... It doesn't matter how they way they looked against Canada. I still think they're the cream of the crop of this group, and they will probably likely win all three of their games, giving them nine points, meaning that Canada has already contributed to three of those nine, and they need to draw and win one game in any combination for them to have a chance at qualifying. So I think... They're going to draw against Croatia, and then John Herdman will get his troops together, and they will beat Morocco, and that's the way that they're going to qualify. So go Canada, go. Now, at the beginning of the podcast, just quickly, because I'm making Aniello and Sammy and Juliana, I'm making you guys work overtime. I'm sorry, but I have to tell this story. I said that uh, I have 28 teeth for battle strength because uh, on Tuesday, I was on my way to a hash game. I did something very, very stupid. My front left tooth is a fake tooth, and that is because way back when I got hit in the face with the rock and had to get a fake tooth. So... I'm on my way to the Canadians game with my buddy Mason, who is the Sabres fan who loves betting on the Jaguars. And uh, I'm opening a chocolate bar with a uh, with my teeth because my hands are full and I my tooth just explodes. On the spot, I have, it's 10 minutes before puck drop. I got no choice but to go to the game as a toothless, man, looking like a toothless maniac. Um, so I'm on my way to the game. I watch the game. Of course, I run into every single person I know at the game and have to explain to them how much of an idiot I am for what happened. And the next day, uh, I, I called my dentist, told him what happened. He said, no problem. Uh, we got time for you at 1.30. Canada playing at 2 completely slipped my mind. And, uh, you know, 1.30 at my dentist really means 1.40. So I was waiting in the waiting room for a bit longer than expected. Then finally I make it into the chair. The national anthems are going. And I have my phone on full volume, but I'm lying at a 180-degree angle because I'm in the dentist chair getting my tooth worked on. And then, you know, as the dentist is drilling into my mouth, I just hear, and it's a penalty for Canada. And I, and I start making noises on <laughs> – I start making noises like – because ah, ah, I have a drill in my mouth and I'm just signaling to him to stop. And he said, stop me before if there's any pain. And he goes, oh, are you in pain? I go, no, 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 no. I'm not in pain. Can't, there's a penalty for Canada. He goes, what are you talking about? What penalty? What Canada? I go, what do you mean? It's the World Cup. Are you not watching the World Cup right now? And you're not paying attention to any of this? Canada's, this is the biggest moment in Canadian soccer history right now. And uh, I made him stop drilling into my tooth all to watch Alfonso Tavies uh, miss his penalty chance. So I just thought that was a funny story. But we're back at full strength, uh, back with 28 teeth and uh, ready to go. And I'll be ready to go next week. Tony will be ready to go on Monday. Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a great weekend. Peace. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. 
Follow the Sick Podcast with Tony Marinero on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. 8.6. Intense by nature. And La Cage. If the last time you went to La Cage was when the Habs won the cup, it's time you went back to La Cage. The menu will surprise you.